Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad. Otherwise, my name is Brad Sever, and I'm joined by Alex Lockthwain. Don't even fucking say hello. Shut up. We have too many spoilers to go through. You know your place. Your place in this fucking episode, in every spoiler episode, is to read these fucking cards like the bitch boy you are. We're going to talk about them. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. I don't even give a Pioneer's awesome. There's a lot of decks. Karn might get banned after this set comes out. We'll talk about that Karn later. I have banned. nothing else to talk about. <laughs> oh uh, Aspiring God. Spike brought fucking Timbold's Trickery back from the grave, and everyone's been playing it. So if you play a league, you're probably going to play against that fucking deck for some reason. Anyone who says that that card should be banned is literally brain dead. Shut up. It's a bad deck. It's not that. It's not that consistent. Just because Aspiring Spike has the luck of literally Jesus Christ Himself does not make it a good deck. All right, on to the spoilers. This runs Thoughtseizer Spell Bears, and you literally can't lose. Um, so, God, we do have, like, a trillion. So we've I've made a list, and you might tag some things on, but I think even my quote-unquote short list is, like, 25 cards. So let's get to it. We basically have covered no spoilers since like the first four so we're actually gonna start by introducing prototype which a lot of people probably know by now but uh this was introduced with phyrexian flesh gorger so phyrexian flesh gorger is a seven mana seven five phyrexian worm artifact creature with menace and lifelink and it says ward pay life equal to phyrexian flesh gorger's power and the fancy thing about this card so it has the prototype mechanic too and the prototype cost in this case is one black black. And if you pay its prototype cost, it enters as a 3-3 three, three rather than a 7-5. So you basically, uh, this is, I think, where the whole like Maro teaser thing, there's only one colored artifact, even though there is tons of colored artifacts in this set, but they're yeah, technically that not teaser. colored. That, That's that, such a that like well, actually. So... Uh, because yeah. prototype cards, this card is not black, but its prototype cost is black. So anyway, Wait, so what is the one colored artifact? I have no idea. Oh, I think it's uh, is it? it Ursa Silex? No, even that is just a color activated no, ability. I'm looking mind. at all of the artifacts right on. They're well, maybe all we don't colorless. get it. Um, anyway, God. so if you discard seven mana seven five, but if you pay its prototype cost, it is a three mana three three, and that also means that its ward cost is now three life rather than seven life because it's based on its power. Almost all these prototype cards have an effect that is based on their power so that it kind of scales with if you play them for their prototype cost. Now, what do you make of this card, Brad? Uh, I think this card is like probably... You know how Rakdos has been playing like uh, a few different cards like from the board for like the mirror, like Invoke Despair, for example? Mm -hmm. It should be this. Yeah, I, I can see. This card I mean, seems nutty. I mean, I'm here. saying that, but Invoke Despair is really good against this card because it evades the ward cost. You're right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. But so, like, if, but like, if like, just you can play it on curb if you don't have like a like a three drop to go into. Which I mean, I get it. You, you're playing Rakdos mid range. You have all the three drops. But this card, like, when you get into that late game where you just go, okay, pass, go, pass, go, where you're both just doing nothing for a few turns, which happens a lot in Rakdos Mirrors, and the first person to drop this fucking thing, and you're like, okay, 
it's a little yonder or bus, I guess, for you to get rid of this. Um, yeah, I, I also kind of like this versus <clears throat> aggro. Because what I think the hilarious thing about this is if you play this against mono red, they can't triple shock it because they die. Yeah. So, like, you have a right. seven power lifelink creature, and they die if they get rid of it. But obviously, the problem with these big haymaker lifelink cards is, well, you die before you get there. But you can play this as a 3 3. So, it, it's it, going it to go in another deck. Oh my God. We have so many great refurbished targets. This is a good one. This is a decent refurbished target. I mean, against uh, mono red, Brad, it's insane. Not a refurbish. Invoke justice. You pay one mana more, but this has eleven power, which means if your opponent casts two spells at <laughs> oh, yeah, it, they die. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah, but that's I, funny. you can run both, right? I think in a refurbish deck, you would run invoke justice too, just to have more than four refurbish. And you then also run these prototype cards yeah. are all pretty cool in mm -hmm. that shell. Because they scale with power, so Invoke Justice is like really awesome with them, but they bridge the gap because you could just play them as some cheap shitters in the meantime. Yeah, and then you can play Portal to Phyrexia instead of GPG. Maybe you play both. I think I think Portal Phyrexia is awesome as the as the GPG replacement. It does trigger on your upkeep rather than your beginning of combat to reanimate stuff, but the ETB of each opponent sacks three creatures is backbreaking. Yeah, I'll against just a lot of decks. Quickly read this card out too. Uh, I hadn't put it on the list, but it is a good card. Uh, Portal to Phyrexia is a nine mana artifact, and it says when Portal to Phyrexia enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices three creatures, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's a Phyrexian in addition to its other types. So yeah, this just like this is just one of the like biggest baddest artifacts we've ever seen. Basically, yeah, this is the thing I want to refurbish, <laughs> like truly, and then play like and then if you play a bunch of these prototype cards that you can, that are also refurbished targets, but like you said, scale nicely, or you can if you you know want to play it as just a threat that they got to deal with on turn three or turn or whatever the prototype costs are, whatever you end up playing. And then when they deal with it, you're like, cool, I can refurbish that, or I can refurbish Portal of Phyrexia and make you sack a bunch of shit, bring that back next. Like, like this seems nutty to me. I think I think there is a... If there is a deck... Uh, we were talking about before we started the recording that with like the way design is, it feels like we're encroaching back into fire design a little bit, um, if not fully fledged into it again. And you were saying that there's not that many cards that come into like uh, sets that necessarily bring out a new archetype or new deck. It's a lot of just like raising up the existing. Yeah, ones. they just add 150 bucks price tag to every deck that already exists. <laughs> yeah, this one might actually make that GPG style deck again. I don't know if you would play both of them. Um, maybe you still lean with GPG because it's a bit more consistent in that, like, you know, like you get it on your combat and that kind of thing, but. You gotta run this card at some number, right? This thing's fucking insane. Yeah, is is it weird to say that I think GPG might be too fair of a deck? Like, I think it takes a little too long to get going, and yeah, you set yourself fair. up to have this ridiculous value engine 
but by that time you're dead. So sure. I find GPG very awkward, but GPG also has a really weird history because for like the first two years of Pioneer, it didn't function on Modo. So it's such a forgotten deck because people just weren't able to play it on Magic Online. So that's always like a very weird yeah. thing about that deck. It's like that deck might... it, The way it sort of plays... It feels a bit like Enigmatic Fires is like you, but better. In a way. Yeah, I get that. But maybe, I, hard, yeah. maybe this kind of card can bring it back with like this sort of like artifact reanimation kind of deck. Uh, it might Does be that make you refurbish to... online for all of your supposed... I mean, they're not all necessarily enablers is the thing. Do we have any of these like uh, these artifact cards, or do are there any artifact creatures that help you discard cards? Uh, I don't think so. Can't think of any from the top of my head, but but I mean, you could always sack something to diabolic edict, uh, diabolic tutor, which means there's always a target. I, I just don't know if that deck would be a Godfarer's gift deck, or if it's just gonna be a um, Portal of Phyrexia deck? Well, just like a uh, Brothers <laughs> of War GPG, It's a PTP deck. Like, there's so many ridiculously large and stre- strong artifacts in this set. I wouldn't be surprised if it's literally just we take all the good cards from this set, but then we take the reanimation cards from older sets. Yeah. <clears throat> there's a lot. There's a lot of really good artifacts, which makes sense. It's, it's an artifact set. Speaking of a lot... Before we get stuck on the first card for too long. Um, again, I, I've just gone through mythic spoilers from like oldest spoiler to newest spoiler, so these are gonna be in somewhat of a random order. Um the next card I wanted to talk about is Titania, voice of Gaia, Gaia. So this is the third it's, it's meld Gaia. card we got. And this is oh my god, this is so much text. So I'm just going to read the whole package. So I'm going to be reading three cards here. Just so you know. So we start with Titania, Voice of Gaia. One green green for a 3-4 legendary creature elemental with reach. Understandable so far. Whenever one or more land cards are put into your graveyard from anywhere, you gain two life. At beginning of your upkeep, if there are four or more land cards in your graveyard and you both own and control Titania and a land called Argoth, Sanctum of Nature, Exile, Melt them, you get the drill. So Argoth is a land um, which says, it enters the battlefield tapped unless you control a legendary green creature, nice and specific. It says tap, add green, two green green, tap, create a 2-2 green bear token, then mill three cards. Activate only as a sorcery. So, four mana, tap this, mill three, make a bear. Um, And then these two cards combine into... I feel like we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, this is like like an Xyz card. Um, We get Titania, Gaia Incarnate, which is a legendary creature, elemental avatar... With Vigilance, Reach, Trample, and Haste, uh, her power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. And I think here's the real kicker. 
<laughs> when she enters the battlefield, return all lands from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped, which, remember, is at least four. Because otherwise she wouldn't flip. And then three three and a green. Put four 1-1 one, one counters on target land you control. It becomes 0-0 zero, zero elemental. It is still a land. I, I, got a, I already got a deck in mind for this. You play Titania, the other card that melds with her, and then you also play Awaken the Woods from the set, which is oh. a stupid card, by the way. Why are we making uh, Arbor uh, Dryad fucking tokens? Love it. But we've already got enough card to read here at Titania, so let's not get into other cards too much yet. So it's just landfall stuff. That's all you care. I it's Martian multitudes for landfall. I think the problem I have is that I feel like Titania and Argoth are just too bad. Mm-hmm. Like I find them very magical Christmas landy. So Titania three mana for a three four. It's like fine, right? I think Titania is fine, and Argoth is just bad. Um, it's really specific, clunky. But I will say, when you flip it to Titania, she's nuts. So, the kind of shell I would put this in, and this is where I kind of feel like the deck falls flat. This feels like Grease Fang, but way worse. Yeah, it does. Like, you just play Grease Fang. You play the kind of Grease Fang cards, like Gather the Pack, if you want to... Like, you could stick in green and just go, like, Gather the Pack, Seder Wayfinder, those type of things. If you go into black, get cards like Grizzly Salvage, Stitcher Supplier. I think mm-hmm. getting to Titania, and if you get to your upkeep, flipping Titania and basically one-shotting your opponent, I think is not, like, terribly difficult. It just feels like it's way too much effort. And you are basically taking a Grease Fang deck taking out Grease Fang and the vehicles and adding Titania on some random garbage. And I'm just kind of like, why would you ever do that? You can do five color and do landfall matters. I mean, like, that ability from Gaia, which like, she enters the battlefield, return all land you control from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped, is, like, kind of great, but your opponent does just, like, almost die immediately. So you don't really get to do anything with those lands because your opponent is dead. Yeah. Yeah, why does she have the ability of putting counters on her too? Uh, That's on the other Mm. lands. So if you somehow haven't killed your opponent yet, uh, you can put counters on your lands and start making creatures out of them and beating the shit out of them with the million lands that you have. Like there, there's a deck in Standard. I think it's very niche. I saw Jim Davis play it once. And it was basically a deck that revolved around those new Capenna lands. You know, the basically evolving wild equivalents that immediately crack yeah. themselves. And then with Splendid Reclamation, which is just four mana, return all lands from your graveyard to the battlefield. It feels like this is basically the same deck, except this is some weird upkeep trigger. And I'd rather just play a four mana card get all my lands back and just, like, do something with having a million mana. I will say, yeah, I do think this is super this is cool. Dream. Like, fuck, this is cool. And if you play a game of Commander with me, yes, you can have Argoth as your second Commander, because I'll just do it. Rule zero, <laughs> that shit. Don't flip guy. Yeah. Go and hit people for 15 in Commander. They don't care. 
But all right. Speaking of another, well, I. I don't know if this card is overrated or underrated. I think this card is like weirdly rated and then nobody talked about it ever again. And it is Teferi, Temporal Pilgrim. So Teferi, Temporal Pilgrim, three blue blue for a legendary planeswalker, Teferi, with probably the scariest reading static of all time. Whenever you draw a card, put a loyalty counter on Teferi. Okay. Starts with four loyalty. Has a zero ability to draw a card. So it's basically a plus one to draw a card, but hey, the static provides the plus one. Then minus two, create a 2 2 blue spirit creature with vigilance, and whenever you draw a card, put a 1 1 counter on this creature. I find it so weird that this thing has vigilance. Um, and then minus 12, target opponent chooses a permanent they control and returns it to its owner's hand. Then shuffle each non-land permanent they control into its owner's library. What do you make of this card? Um, trying to think. Uh, what is the text on Welcoming Vampire? I have no idea. Whenever one or more creatures with power to us enters the battlefield, okay. Are there any other cards that say when a creature enters the battlefield, draw a card? Mentor of the Meek? Ideally. Um, that one you have to pay for, though, right? Yeah, that's true. No, there's, there's not many. There's that new enchantment from this set, which is basically welcoming vampire, but then on an enchantment rather than on the creature. How much is it? Is uh, it three four? mana. I think it's a three mana God enchantment. damn it. Um... Yeah, I think this card's fine. Uh, I was just trying to see if there's a way to, like, get value right off the bat. Like, I was thinking, like, turn three, Welcoming Vampire, turn four, something, well, turn five, You could five, just have some sort this, of looter minus. equivalent. Just like a Jace Prince Prodigy or something. Yeah. I w but I wanted to make a body to protect the fairy and then, like, immediately get value off that body coming in. Because then if you minus, it enters the battlefield... Triggers Welcoming Vampire, you draw a card, then it gets a, they get a 3-3 three, three for the minus 2, and then he's back up to 3 loyalty. And, uh... Ah, yeah. So that seems cool. But yeah. I don't know. I, I, I saw people saying that, the, that he's fucking insane and broken, but like he's a 5-mana Planeswalker. Yes, 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 he does check all the boxes for what you want a Planeswalker to do. It provides card advantage, it makes a body to protect itself, and it has an ult that seemingly should win you the game. The ult is probably, in practice, going to be way easier to I get mean, to than we think. I mean, it's um, minus 12 to just reverse rebuke your opponent. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, it shuffle into the library, so they do actually lose it, which is very different mm -hmm. than getting a bounce to hand. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. Like, I think this card is, like, fine. But I don't. I don't. I have no idea where the hell you would play this. Like no oh, wait, idea. Would you at play? All. Would you straight up play Teferi Master of Time with alongside this Teferi? I mean, I, I don't really want to play a bad card to make a medium card good. Like that's kind of my problem. I like Teferi Master of Time. I mean, he's, he's cool. I think, I think he's, he's cool. Good. All right, so you just play Wandering Emperor. Got it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just play Wandering Emperor and Teferi Hero of Dominaria and call it a day. If you're in some weird mono blue is it spell slingery deck, this card's probably fine. Um, 
Yeah, but this, like, this card needs to go into like a mono blue or like is it shell to really make use of the draw stuff. And you want to be more creature based. Um, so you just want cards that draw you stuff. And you want creatures that can go wide. You can use the new. This can this could maybe go in a um, the double. I don't know. That's probably way too expensive. But I was thinking there should there probably should be a a, a double pyromancer deck now. And yeah. is it young pyromancer in the new one? The the is it one that's the two one that does the exact same thing except they're soldiers. Well, and it triggers on non creatures. Well, then an instant source. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a, it's a better one. I think I haven't put that on the list at all. So. We'll talk about no, that. We can, well, it's not we much. can mention it right now since we're here. It is a wonderful two-mana card that I'm scrolling to find called Third Path Ironclast. It's, it's like I said, two-mana, two-one, human monk for a blue and a red. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, create a one-one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Dope. It's just more Pyromancer. Yeah. In some shells, like, this will be better. It is a little bit harder to cast. It forces you to be in blue, but granted pyromancer is basically a blue guard so i don't think it matters too much yeah, yeah getting eight pyromancer effects and then i mean you straight up fold to any sweepers but i mean go all that's in, the buddy. life of a pyromancer deck anyway i think yeah just please no sweeper okay cool you die mm. but yeah so, too, so bad. too bad it doesn't make prowess monks <laughs> got enough of those <laughs> uh, then I think moving on to a card that so far haven't been hot on the first two cards this card is a zinger Gix Yogmoth Praetor one black black so three mana for a 3-3 three, three legendary creature for Axiom Praetor whenever a creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents so again this triggers on every creature that deals damage its controller may pay one life. If they do, draw a card. Wow, that's a really good draw. Oh, the card does more. Four black, black, black. Discard X cards. Exile the top X cards of target opponent's library. You may play lands and cast spells from among the cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. A lot of blacks back on the menu, baby. By the way, these cards for the second ability, do they do they just stick? Like it doesn't you, say till on a turn. Yeah, you just, you get, just get them. So if you do this yeah. against a blue deck, you just hit a bunch of counter spells. You 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 could just like, okay, I've I've got free counter magic now. Yeah. This card's nuts. It's great on rate. Three three body for three. Exactly fits the eye test. And then in context with whatever deck you play it in, like I was thinking mono black aggro. A lot of cheap, you know, threats. Swing in, hit your opponent, draw some cards. You don't care about paying the life. And then, yeah, th this card seems well, really good. And you good. don't really the care about your creatures awesome. dying either. So if you just swing in with three creatures, knowing that one of them will just be, like, eaten, it's like, okay, I don't care. Draw two cards. Yeah. Yeah, this is an extremely good card. I like it a lot really do the the, the insane. bottom ability i think is like slightly flavor texty but I think oh yeah Th it's, this just is like it's gravy. gonna come up right every once in a while 
it'll come up. It's definitely not like I mean I call it flavor texty, but it's not flavor text per se. Like some abilities can be on cards. This this is relevant. Just not like super relevant. I, I've I've heard things about it in EDH where you go for an ad nauseum and you draw most of your deck, and then you generate a bunch of mana, and then you also get most of your opponent's deck, which I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, just solid card. Um, play this in mono black aggro. Play this just in black aggro. If you've got like a Rakdos aggro, like an aggressive kind of deck, you, you play this. This card is insane. Gonna have a high price tag. Yeah, it is a mythic. It's the new rankle. I mean, there's so many good... There's... I mentioned this before... The, the mythics in this set are super hit or miss. I feel like there are some mythics that are just, like, bulk. It basically, mythics in this set are either completely nuts or bulk. There's basically basically nothing in between. Like one with the multiverse. Oh, yeah, that's bulk. Um, yeah, that's the one I'm going to pull my pre-release and be like, how the fuck? <laughs> what do I do? Um, but card, so I can see one with the multiverse being like a random $20 card because Commander. So maybe I'll be happy about pulling it. Also, I'll very quickly put it up so we don't talk like right over people's heads. Um, it's kind of like an omniscience card. Uh, one with the multiverse, eight mana enchantment, six blue blue. You may look at the top card of your library at any time. You may play lands and cast spells from the top of your library. And once during your turn, you may cast a spell from your hand or the top of your library without paying its mana cost. I'm going to go big brain. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this card and then look at the top of my library and it's an omniscience. And I'm going to cast that and be like, we're, we're do- we did it. Yeah, we're we done. did it. Yeah, I can see this being a very like weird Lotus build, having this as a one-off. So you can grab omniscience and omniscience at home. Like oh, on yeah. the salt I pile. kind of funny. But then like... yeah. Because then you do actually do something. I can imagine a pile that is like this. Well, if it's this omniscience and like um, what's that thing that tutors for three cards? Behold the Beyond? Like you give him that pile and you just basically give your opponent double omniscience and be like, go ahead, buddy. <laughs> Have fun. Yeah. And then, but um, yeah. But, yeah. but if you give them double omniscience with this card, you can basically play the card at the top of your library. That just gives them one extra card to peek at. Yeah, true. So That's terrifying. Um, but we got a whole new cycle of commands. Now, I don't want to talk about all of them because I don't think a lot of them are particularly good. Uh, I just want to talk they're about all sorceries. Only one that is an instant. One is an instant. Oh, yeah, the blue is, one. The fucking blue one. Of course yeah. it is. And it's Urza's command. So two blue blue for an instant. Choose two. Creatures you don't control get minus two, minus zero until end of turn. Create a tapped power stone token. Create a ta- oh, it's why is it tapped? Create a tapped zero zero colorless. Did construct. you not see that it was tapped because you thought you could ambush someone with a I fucking thought I could construct? ambush someone with a construct no. and it was gonna be. No, cool. that was the first thing I noticed, and I was like, "This is ass." This might as well be a sorcery then. Yeah, because the thing I just tapped anyway. But okay, or a scry one, then draw a card. Uh, I'm interested bad. in playing with the Power Stone shards, where I think this card is still fine, even if it creates a tapped one, because you're probably gonna like 
half the time cast it off like arcane proxy or something and then you're doing it at sorcery speed anyway um and then this card's like okay uh in a very like dedicated artifacty deck I guess. I guess. I guess. I think it's bad. I think they're all bad. The best one is the white one, because it actually does something. Well, what what I'm thinking with this one is that if you're running in, like, uh, a Power Stone deck or some artifact deck, that between Urza's command and Karn Scion of Urza, I think you have sufficient, like, beat down to just attack through hate. That's what I kind of like. Where between this card and Karn, uh, Sign of Urza, I can imagine you can build enough of a board to just, like, attack an opposing Karn. Like, Karn the Great Creator. And if you go like, into black, you can start playing uh, Herald as well. Just have another, like, yeah, I'm gonna... Yeah, because, <laughs> so, like, you're, you're in... Or I'm thinking, like, you're in even, like, Mono Blue, and you've got, like, what's the channel card? Uh, Moonsnare Prototype. Yeah, you can still activate that, right? Because it's in your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that even against like a mono green opponent, you have like a construct in play already from like a Karn or whatever, and then you go Ursus Command, untap, bounce your block like one of your two block like bounce your Cavalier, and now you've got like a troll, and now I can attack your Karn, and like I think this provides this is like enough beat down backup. That it can serve that role. Other than that, this card's pretty shit. Especially, yeah. I don't get why you can't ambush people with the construct. That's too good. Yeah. Ooh. Can't have our blue instance be good now, can we? Speaking that would make all the mono being... black players in standard cry. Yeah. But speaking of cards, I think. I'm going to give you a sneak peek, Alex. When we do our top 10 in about a week. What's the thing we always have on there? It's our underrated and overrated, right? Mm-hmm. This is my pick for my overrated card of the set. I'm telling you right now, it's fucking Soul Partition. Agreed. Overrated. Okay, I'm going to read this one out because I have a thing that I want to complain about. So Soul Partition is two mana, one and a white for an instant. Cool. Exile target non-land permanent, period. Oh my god, we're off to a great start. For as long as that card remains exiled, its owner may play it. A spell cast by an opponent this way costs two more. Okay, so what you're doing is you're removing a, tempor- a card temporarily. It does say on non-land permanent. So it does hit enchantments, artifacts, all that good stuff as well. So there is some there is some merit to that. But all it does is get rid of it for a temporary amount of time where they can recast it later. So for things that are very scary threats, then... They're just going to get them back. Yes, of course, if you're playing this in blue eye control, like I would imagine you're playing this in, you can essentially say I'm going to counter that one later. Um, but then your opponent's probably going to know that and they're just going to start throwing stuff in front of it anyway. No, I like here's extra hate it for blue white. Well, like, I, th- here's I think my this thinking. is like the, the place I can see this happen working is in like a mono white aggro deck. Where your opponent plays like a Kalidus and you just like get rid of it and your opponent just, they, they're just dead before they can recast it. Which I would yeah. have totally bought into like two years ago before White got like every removal spell ever. Yeah, there's one in this set that I would say is better. Yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, 
but this is for for the people that think this is good in blue eye control. I'm gonna raise you this. Show me. Besides it being exiling a non-permanent, and the fact that it hits non-permanents mostly, how is this different from Faithful Absence in terms of how you play? Because Faithful Absence, both of them essentially give your opponent the option to pay two additional mana in some way to either re uh, recast the same card you got rid of in Soul Partition or draw a random card from their deck in Faithful Absence with the clue. I would rather, in most scenarios, 9 times out of 10, destroy the creature or Planeswalker I'm worried about, because that's what you're going to be hitting the majority of the time. I really don't think I'm going to be spending mana uh, to exile temporarily a Fable of the Mirror Breaker, for example. Usually I'm not in that position. Which, by the way, the time Fable of the Mirror Breaker gets really scary anyway is when it's flipped, which Fable Absence can still hit anyway, because it's a creature now. But... I'd rather let them draw a random-ass card from their deck and spend the mana that way. Like, this is literally the Family Guy meme. Like, when you're comparing them. You're like, but if I hit this, like, they might just... they they, they Maybe they'll draw like the card again. But this one's straight up... This is literally the boat. This is the guaranteed boat. Instead of maybe it could be a boat, oh, I'm going to get the boat, boat back. <laughs> yeah. So I don't like this card. I think it's overrated. I think I can see your uh, your idea in, in the aggro shell. Again, there is a better card, especially yeah. in mono-fucking-white. Yeah, and the moment we'll you go in into second. other colors, you will probably find other removal there. Like, okay, if you're in Celestia, maybe. Right? I could see, like, a niche case, because in Celestia... We'll talk about the other card in a moment. Um, did I already... I'll go ahead and it's it's further down your list, I think. I'll just well, yeah. I'll have it pulled up. Oh, for I'll the pull next it up one. now, but I'll, we'll talk about it in a second. But that card cares about basic planes. So in like a Celestia deck, where you're running a lot of white sources that aren't planes, and you need that like removal spell to get rid of like a Kalidus or something, I could see like a niche situation where this works. Uh, even though, even then, I might rather just be on other white cards, uh, like Fateful Absence. But the moment you go into other colors, if you're in blue, you get Reflector Mage. If you're, like, I assume you're playing like humans. If you're in blue, you get yeah. Reflector Mage. If you're in red, you get, like, Lava Coil or the better Lava Coil that we've got now. If you're in black, I mean, you're in black. Like, do you need spot removal? You're in black. So this card immediately becomes, like, pointless. So it, I think it's only good in Celestia aggro decks, and even there it's niche and probably shit. But in Mono White, we're going to play Laydown Arms. This card is nutty, I think. It's, it's really good. Laydown Arms is a single white for a sorcery that says exile target creature with mana value less than or equal to the number of planes you control. Its controller gains three life. Now, in an aggro deck, I'm not happy to give my opponent three life. But I am even less happy if I let my mono green opponent keep their Lana Ralph. Mm -hmm. Or if their or Cavalier their of Thorns Cavalier. is fucking me up. And it's an exile, so they don't get the Cavalier trigger or the troll trigger as well. Yeah. Like, I don't have too much to say other than the rest of the cycle is fucking embarrassing. 
compared to this card. I think the black one is six mana. The blue one is, is five mana. I have no idea. The green one is just Branchwood Armor reprint. And the red one is a two mana 04 that on your turn has power equal to the number of mountains you control as long as you control four or more mountains. So it's literally an 04 for most of the game and then becomes like a 5-4 in your turn. It's like the world's shittiest Sarah Avenger. But like the rest of the cycle's yeah. fucking embarrassing. And then we get this card and you're like, holy shit. Yeah, the only thing about this card that I would say is a good thing is it's not an instant. Because holy shit, if this was an instant, yeah, I it's thought just this was source an plowshare. Yeah, the first time I read it, I was like, well, I thought like this is like Fatal Push. Mm -hmm. I think this is a fair comparison to Fatal Push because enabling Revolt isn't like guaranteed in Pioneer. It's like doable, but not like, you know, like in Modern where Fatal Push is basically always revolted. And I also think that there's not a single deck out there that runs all basic planes. So the idea that this like is going to get rid of like your opponent's land or elves and that sort of thing. And if you get a little bit later into the game and maybe if you've got like four lands, it's going to get rid of the troll. Because you've got like three basic planes. Which I think is like yeah, if you don't, totally fine. If you don't have artifact synergies, um, there is uh, merit to the idea that if you're like in mono white or something that's going to have a lot of planes, like maybe a two color deck with like a lot of shocks and that kind of thing. Though as we get more dual lands, I think this is really needs to be mono white to really get what you're what you want yeah. out of it. But anyway, this just this is just better than portable because it curves up as you play the game and helps you get through scary blockers and scary threats. So. Yeah, it's I really think good. for a large part it could be. Um, and also, like, if you head into other colors, you could think, like, well, if I'm playing in an Orzhov deck, like, I, I'm never going to hit this. But kind of the same thing with the previous card that was, like, Soul Partition. The moment you're in other colors, you get those colors removal instead if you want it. So it doesn't really yeah. matter that, like, this isn't good in an Orzhov deck. Like, you don't need it to be good in an Orzhov deck. Yeah, your Vanishing Verse, for example. Yeah. Like that. And this card is just, like... And also what I like about this card and in its design, this card is a complete banger in budget decks. Because if you're not running like all your mutavolts and other bullshit, this is actually just exile creature with uh, power equal to the no uh, mana value equal to the number of lands you control, which is sick. So like now you can show up with your mono white aggro deck and like shit on people who have play sets of children, which chef's kiss. Yep. Next card right. I want to talk about. This is a this is a weird one. And it is Hercules Final Meditation. It's a seven mana instant, but you know, that, that's not expensive enough yet. For four blue blue blue. But it says as long as it is not your turn, this spell costs three more to cast. So it is a ten mana card on your opponent's turn. Return all non-land permanents to their owner's hand. End the turn. Yep. Um, seems like a really cool Gear Hulk target. Agreed. 
I th- I think this is a this is potentially nice in in a Gear Hulk style deck. Uh, I I don't know how good this card is because it's a good card to flashback with Gear Hulk, but it's not really good at anything else. Because mm-hmm. it is a ten mana card, and even otherwise, it is like a seven mana. Is it Flood of Tears? If you do yeah. it in your own turn, but then probably worse most of the time. So it is not great. But I think it is certainly an extremely powerful card. Yeah, if there is a way to consistently make a deck that can, you know, because by the time you get to 10 mana, like, it seems really, uh, you're dead. What? This has the same problem as discontinuity with Torrential Gearhawk. You have to discard this because if you cast it, it exiles itself. Yeah, yeah, you have to discard it. So, so I, w- I was thinking like yeah. something that like would utilize like Fable the Mirror Breaker, or, like Jace, uh, Baby Jace, that kind of thing, like like loot it out of your hand. And like at that point, you're running yeah. as like a one or two of anyway. Um. So, you know, they always forget with these end of turn cards, they exile themselves. Just because of how the mm. rules work of ending a turn as part of a spell. Bummer. If you can if you can pull it off, it's cool. But it pull is it off, you probably win. very expensive. You, you should win. But speaking you of should. a cheap card that you can win games with, Brad. Uh, the Stonebrain. This is exhibit A of all the artifacts we have in this set to be like, yes, officer, that man right there pointing at Karn, the great creator. <laughs> have him arrested. And banned from the format. Okay, we talked about this a bunch the last few episodes, and I've been on team no bans right now in Pioneer. We don't need it. Karn is annoying, but like doesn't need to be banned. I get it. Whatever. I am now fully on team ban Karn because these artifacts we have in this set are going to fucking make him insane, and it makes me sad because I really like Karn as a card. I think it's cool. I know you don't like Wishboard shit. And, I, and the static is annoying for a lot of different decks. But I think as, like, from a design standpoint, the way Karn works, the way it functions, I think is a really cool and interesting card that is unfortunately prone to be broken. And not even broken in the way that's, like, vehemently obvious, like Oko or something like that, just broken in the way that it fucks up your game state so much. Yeah, so the Stone Brain, we'll talk about why, because this is also a thing that so many artifacts do in this set. So the Stonebrain is a 2-mana artifact, legendary. 2, tap, exile the Stonebrain. There's multiple cards in a set that do this because they exile themselves because you're not supposed to loop them. Which but applies says, I don't give to a everything fuck but about that. Um, yeah. So And then it says, choose a card name. A card name. You can even pick basic lands. Search target opponent's graveyard, hand, and library for up to 4 cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles. Then draws a card for each card exiled from their hand this way. Activate only as a sorcery. So with Karn and Teferi or Kiora and all that like uh, Chainville nonsense that we're used to, you can just recur this card over and over and just exile your opponent's entire deck in hand. And yeah, it might be the new combo. I would. I'm pretty sure it's going to be the new. Granted. Pestilent Cauldron, like that restorative burst, is kind of part of the combo anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can also imagine you build it differently. Because, for example, this does not require you to find a black mana somewhere. Uh, yeah. And also, it just is an extraction effect. So if you play the mirror, you just if you're the first one to grab the stone brain and just name your opponent's Karn, like they just can't combo anymore. Yeah. So there's a little benefit there too. Um, and what just, I think it, is also it, it, good about combo this, aside, repeatable extraction effect is good. From, <laughs> yeah, that's insane. And what I think is also neat about well, neat quote unquote about this card. It's because it has that clause that says that your opponent has to draw. You can actually make it a win on your turn. So there is, it's obviously unlikely, but there is no like trying to combo you out. Okay, cool. Untap, upkeep, throw burn spells at your face. Like that kind of nonsense is just not there because you just force your opponent to draw a card with an empty library, like in your turn. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, it's probably not going to come up very often, but it's just like another thing that makes this combo fantastic yeah so like this with the uh the chain veil restoration and then ignoring pestle cauldron just going on the stone brain like the the deck is so many fucking ways to win now this also just works with like the teferi chain veil loop thing it does yeah and then you just grab karm because oh no wait because the artifact you are untapped Oh, you don't need to untap an artifact, of course. You just tap this, and then it goes yeah. to exile, and then you grab it back with Karn. So, like, yeah, you don't need to target this with the fairy. Yeah, I don't know. This card's Man. pretty crazy. But speaking of combo, with a legendary artifact, which is probably not as good, but I wanted to mention this card because I think it's really cool, it's Drafna, founder of Lathnam. So this is one of the blue. For a legendary creature, human artificer advisor, you know, one of the 10 human art legendary artificers we were getting, has, is a 2-1 with two activated abilities. One is for one and a blue, return target artifact you control to its owner's hand, and then it has ability for three, tap, copy target artifact spell you control. So you can copy an artifact on the stack and then you get two. Now, there is a combo with this to take infinite turns. And it is with Ugin's Nexus. So Ugin's Nexus is a 5-mana artifact that just says players can take extra turns. You know, here's your main deck, Phoenix deck. And when that card is put into a graveyard, exile it instead and take an extra turn. So what you can do with Drafna is you play Ugin's Nexus. On the stack, you copy it. Now you have two Ugin's Nexus. You legend rule the copy which triggers and says, you know, take an extra turn. And then you use his first ability to bounce the original Ugin's Nexus to your hand. And I think it takes 10 mana. And then you can just make this loop. But what I like about it in this set is because um, you pay 10 mana, but 9 of that is on an artifact or activated ability, which means you get to do it with Power Stone Shards. Uh, Power Stones. Power Stone Shard is the card for Dominaria. No, yeah, yeah. So I I think this is pretty neat. I don't think it's going to be particularly great. But I will say his first ability, uh, just to return an artifact, that also gives me, like, Paradox Engine vibes. Mm -hmm. Because you could just return... I mean, if you have a Mox Amber... 
you could just tap that for blue, pay for the blue. So you only need to generate like two extra mana somewhere, which could literally just be like two power stone shard, uh, two power stones, or like one whatever artifact to tap for two, like one hedron archive. And then you just loop the mocks and you just make infinite colorless mana. And you, I mean, you've got infinite colorless mana. You can do things with that. Oh, you can, with the infinite colorless mana, you can then start copying your mox amber and also make infinite blue mana. Yeah. There's there's going to be something with this card that can be... Um... And it's going to be unfair. <laughs> this yeah. card is unfair. Can't wait to see what people figure out. Um, another very quick mention is the card Overwhelming Remorse. Uh, four and a black for an instant. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature card in your graveyard. Exile target creature or planeswalker. This sounds like very good removal for mono black. You're gonna have a bunch of crap in your graveyard. Um, yeah. So this can just be very easily be a one or two mana for a better hero's downfall. And I think with cards like Sky Sovereign and stuff being very popular in the format, I think some instant speed, like, quote-unquote, unconditional removal is pretty valuable right now. Because the boat's going to kill your gigs, so you don't want that. You do not. Also, if you play Popper, this is a common. Oh, it's a common. Holy shit. Yeah. I like I on saw someone mythic spoiler, someone comments, wait, this is worth to play common if your deck focuses on that, which I'm like, so when you're playing Bobber. Like that is a very weird way to say I am playing Bob. I, I guess you have like yeah. um EDH with only commons. I think you even have C E D H with only commons, so Isn't that isn't that P E D H? Oh yeah, that's that just called Bobber like... EDH. <laughs> yeah. Um I was gonna say uh Nope. Lost it. Lost the thought. It just went away. We'll move on to more black so, removal. Maybe it'll come back. Something about this card. I uh, don't know. So there's a pretty premier black removal spell being reprinted in the set, and it's Go for the Throat for a one and a black for an instant, and it just says, destroy target non-artifact creature. Now... I think Power Word Kill is better. We, you messaged to me about this one. Be like, hey, you know, go, go for the throat, um, mm -hmm. reprint, blah blah. I think it's a good card too. And I said, why well, I'd rather run Power Word Kill? And you're like, well, what don't you hit with Go for the Throat? And I mm -hmm. was just thinking, well, anything from this set. Yeah, and Grease Fang in general, like not Grease Fang itself, but like Bow to Seeker's Chariot. There was that new Gruel deck that's focused on boat and a seeker's chariot without grease fang kind of thing yeah um, but this is grease fang I itself just think yeah. most importantly this set is i mean i didn't notice at the time but i was like this is an artifact set phyrexia all will be one is an artifact set and whatever the fucking infinity war set is we get after that is also an artifact set it's uh the something of the machine height of the machine oh yeah. is it march of the machine March of the Machine, that's what yeah, it was. So yeah, so we got this one, Alice one, March of the Machine. And then there's March of the Machine Part 2, right? There's like No, the... no, that that no, that the epilogue thing is not a set. 
thought, I, it was. We thought it was. We we yeah, I did too. But like I remember seeing later after after we talked about it on a recent episode that it's not actually a set at all. It's like another like random product. It's just gonna be I'll, like a novel or or like a set of like commander that. decks um, or whatever. Go to the next card and while I look it up. So go for the throat. I think it is a very good removal spell, but um, it's obviously this just goes on the pile of black conditional removal. It is always good for this pile to grow, uh, so you can find the right thing. But at this point, I would not be on go. I mean, if we only got go for the throat, I would. I mean, I wouldn't even be on go for the throat probably because of the vehicles. But anyway, cool down on the pile, um, and the art's great. Now, this card I wanted to mention, because I saw people getting enthusiastic about it, and I don't know why, though you brought up another deck that I can see it being good in. And it's Clay Champion. So, Clay Champion is... There's a cycle of cards like this, and it's X4, so it costs at least 4, but you can pay more if you want. Uh, it is a 2-2, and why would you pay more for your 2-2? Well, because it says... It enters the battlefield with three counters on it, three 1-1 counters, for each green-green spent to cast it. And when it enters the battlefield, choose up to two other target creatures for each white-white spent to cast Clay Champion, put a 1-1 counter on each of them. So you can pay four mana and get this effect twice if you pay green-green, white-white, or four times green, or four times white. But if you've got extra mana lying around, well, you might as well get more of the effect. And that's basically... These these cards are like a really good mana dump, where you could just dump in whatever mana you've got left. Um, the first thing that surprised me is that people were like, wow, is this just a 4-mana 8-8 out of the card board? And I was like, there's a 5-mana 8-8 with Trample that you could already put in your yeah. card board. And like... This is this is just like if you play this in mono green, this is just a really shitty gig. This is just basically a gigantosaurus without uh, devotion. But you brought it up earlier in something like Celestia Scales, and your goal yep. is actually to play this card for white white as much as possible. I think it's actually pretty sick. Yeah, so I think a Celestia Scales deck utilizing um, the new two drop we have, which is. Uh, uh, the, 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 the Yoshian Descendant or Dissident, which is a two mana green and a white human artificer. It's a one one, but it says whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And you can do things with scales, like obviously hardened scales, something like the Ozolith will trigger this. You have uh, you can just play four Stone Cold Serpent. There is the card from Kamigawa that has a ward of two, I believe. That's a one one. And whenever a uh, artifact is cast, oh, the, um, you just adaptive automaton or something? No, it's not that. Okay. No, 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 no. It's like a, the. Uh, yeah, I, I think we all know what we all know what we're talking about. It's in uh, and soul decks always. Yeah, um, so you play that. You can play uh, the uh, Reign of Truth, the card that in soul decks play. Um, you can play Clay Champion now. You can also play a new card in this set called Simeon Simulacrum, which is a 3-mana 2-1. When it enters the battlefield, put two plus plus counters on target creature you control with Unearth of 2 and 2 green. So that's another card that actually curves nicely because now your curve can be turn 1, um, scales. scales. Turn 2, your uh, any of your 
two mana creatures that pump up scales, like the new artifact one or the uh, the conclave, whatever. Um, conclave mentor. Yeah, or you can even play something like. Uh, no, yeah, you just play that. You want to play the fucking human in this deck, and then you can curve into this card, turn three. Even on turn two, you can still go like, if you have scales and that thing, you can play a zero mana um, uh, coil, just get for two, if you really wanted to. Um, then you can go turn three. I don't think you can, right? Don't you need to play at least not? one colorless? Because then it is a 1-1 that enters with additional counters. I think the zero thing only works in that deck with a Metallic Mimic, where you name Construct. And then they all enter mm. as 1-1s with additional counters. So you can't actually play Stone Cold Serpent for zero with uh, hardened skills in play. Question... Um, the stone cold when it hit, when it hits the battlefield. If a trigger goes on the stack the second it hits, what happens? The trigger or the stone cold dying? What do you mean? If you just play it as so a zero it, zero? If yeah, if you play a zero oh, it's already zero, dead. It's uh, just like if I mean if you do it on modo, you play it as a zero zero. You wouldn't even see it enter the battlefield. It just technically did. Okay. Um. Yeah, anyway, you can still curve out into the Simulacrum. Then you, on turn four, if you don't do anything else, you can do the Clay Champion. And like you said, you can split up your mana. Like, you know, have it come in as a 3-3 three, three that pumps another thing. Or actually, it would come in as a 5-5 five, five that pumps some a couple things. Yeah, and if you play this, if your turn three play is like Rishgar, you can tap all your creatures that now have counters on them. You could even, if you want to, tap those for green and have him enter, like, even larger. Yeah. I think that's like what the scales deck future kind of seems to be, which is a little like contrary to what scales usually does, where usually it goes wide and it puts like lots of counters, and it seems like it goes a little taller now. So you get a few There's more just so cards many good artifacts like Clay Champion that don't do like a million times one one counters, but it just does it like a couple times, but then everything's really big. Would you want to play the Rootwire Amalgam? What's that? And that? It's a five mana. It's a mythic. It's a prototype mythic. Five mana um, golem that's a five five. Oh, no. Or no, you can no, pay no. two for two three and then pay five. No, because its, it's ability is just it, five mana to sacrifice it, create basically a token with haste that has three times its power. What I hate about that is that the token doesn't have any form of evasion. And even if you play a Kodama... Is it Kodama of the West Tree? From yeah. um, Neon Dynasty? That gives all your modified creatures trample. This wouldn't even count mm -hmm. as a modified creature. Like the token you make with that. Because it would just be a 15-15. It's the same as... You're which right. I had to learn the hard way. Um, after not trying to kill it with a Heartless Act. Because I thought I couldn't. Shark Typhoon doesn't make a 0-0 zero, zero with counters on it. It just straight up it just makes, makes it a, an yeah. XX, so it doesn't have yeah. any counters. But you put dice on it in paper, so in my head it was always counters. But So I know, while we're on the topic of seemingly... like While there's a lot of good artifacts, there are some questionable ones too. Uh, oh, God, Platoon Dispenser? What the fuck is this card? Platoon Dispenser is a 5-mana 4-6 artifact creature construct. It's a mythic, by the way. At the beginning of your end step, if you control two or more other creatures, draw a card. You can pay 4 mana, 
with the three and a white. Create a 1-1 colorless soldier artifact creature token, and then it has unearth two and double white. Okay, this card does a lot. Great card if you have like a million mana, just like most cards but, in Magic. <laughs> yeah, it seems wacky to have this as a fucking mythic. And like even, like, okay, I guess this would be a house at rare and limited, but dude, come on. <sighs> but moving on to another prototype card, there is a lot of those spoiled at once, basically. This one is interesting. I'm not sure what to make of it. It's Arcane Proxy. So it is a artifact creature wizard. It is a 7 mana 4-3. And the text is, when it enters the battlefield, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery card with mana value less than or equal to Arcane Proxy's power from your graveyard. Copy that spell. You may cast a copy without paying its mana cost. And its prototype cost is one blue blue, and it's a two one when it enters. So if you pay the prototype, you can cast a two drop or less from your graveyard. If you cast it full, full value, it's a seven drop, but you can cast a four drop or less from your graveyard. Uh, in interesting to note here is that it copies the card in your graveyard, and it doesn't exile the card you've played from your graveyard. So mm -hmm. you could do this multiple times, like with the same card. Yeah. So if you create like a bunch of copies of this proxy, you can uh, do that. However, if you copy the proxy or flicker it, you don't get to cast a card because it has that like when you cast it clause. So it has to come from your hand or like release the winds. Which is an interesting thing to do with all these prototype cards that we didn't touch on with the first few. You can play them as their prototype, but if you blink them, like flicker them, they do actually just enter as like the full creature. Because the prototype is an uh, alternative cost you can pay, but when you flicker a card, it wouldn't like register that. So you could play yeah. that worm as a 3-3 three, three, and then flicker it, and now you get the 7-5. That sounds fun. But what do you make of uh, Robo Snapcaster? Um, I think it's fine. Like, I think it can be really good in certain decks. Um, I just wish I had Flash. Though, if you really wanted to, you can go with uh, Liberator Urza's Battlehopter to give it Flash. No. That on the like stack, if you cast it. Pack. Yeah, but on the cast, if you, if, or on the stack, if you cast it for its blue, it's, is it still uh, colorless or is it colored on the stack? Um, it says different mana cost, color, and size. So I guess it would be a blue card. All right. Well, yeah. So yeah, uh, it's fine. There might be a deck that uses it for value. Um, I, I think it might be overhyped a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, cards that even remotely resemble Snapcaster Mage are always over, uh, overvalued. Um, what I'm really hoping for, like I've been hinting at it, I'm trying to do things with Power Stones because I think they're interesting. I really hope, because we don't have the full set yet, that we're going to have some, like, spell that is literally just, like, one in a blue, create a Power Stone draw a card. And then I like the idea that you play that early, you can mm -hmm. play that again with Arcane Proxy, and then 
you can use the Arcane Proxy for like another one with full value and use that to flashback Urza's command. Because at that point it's a four drop. So that's like a sort of like curve I could see to like fill that deck out and kind of have like this like construct artifact creaturey beatdown plan with potentially uh, that like combo with Ugit's Nexus I just talked about can be like incorporated in that deck somehow. Like that's kind of where my thinking is at. So, but I don't think Arcane Proxy is really like good anywhere else because this is a card that goes in spell slingy decks and those cannot afford to play too many creatures and just all the other creatures are better. Like Ledger Shredder, Thingy yeah. Eyes, Pyromancer, the new Pyromancer, like the Iconoclast card. Like, I feel like they're just all better than Arcade Proxy. So it's not a bad card. It's just like a card that's never going to find a home, really. Yeah, and then when it's seven mana, it still only gets you four or less uh, for its mana cost, which you can get. So it's not like you can recast like Treasure Cruise or something like that. Yeah, exactly. There is uh, another interesting thing with this uh, that I'm also looking into, and that's this card with Shrapnel Blast. Mm -hmm. Because you can just play... Basically, for three mana, you could just recast the Shrapnel Blast, and this is also immediately an artifact that you can sacrifice to the Shrapnel Blast. So I can imagine some artifact deck with just a stupid amount of burn in it. Yeah, I mean, that would be an interesting one. It's also a wizard, so you can play Wizard Retort and Wizard's Lightning. Yeah, so like <laughs> some like artifact wizard, stupid numbers of burn kind of deck. You've got like that um, dragon dragon battery card or something from Kamigawa that just grows every time you play an artifact yep. and you just dome your opponent for the amount of counters on it. Just There's like something funny to do there. Well, before we go to the next card, since this is a nice stopping point for all the prototypes, we're going to go ahead and hand it off to ourselves for a wonderful ad read and thank you to everyone for listening. And if you have any cards that you think are really cool that we've missed on so far, don't worry. We'll maybe talk about them in the top 10. But if we don't, just let us know what you think of all these cards in these sets. And we'll go from there. Thank you so much for listening. If you guys want to support the show in any way you can, you can go on patreon.com slash the pioneer perspective. You get access to early episodes every single week. You also have higher tiers where you can suggest segments and full episodes where we can actually talk about what you want to hear and other tiers that allow you to get merch and things like that. Otherwise, you can go on inkgaming.com through the affiliate link down below. You can get stuff with our faces on them, things without. Either way, the affiliate link helps out a lot. You can also check us out on playingpioneer.com where both Alex and I have various articles every single month. And as well as following us on Twitter at Bradsifer and Alex Lockblain. Join the Discord at PlayAway in the link down below. Play some paper magic with us. Talk some magic in general. You can also ask questions on the mailbag as well. And of course, quick shout out to Card Hoarder for letting us join their creator network. And if you want to get some cards on MTGO for rentals and you don't want to spend a bunch of money, go ahead and use Card Hoarder. Thank you so much. Now back to the show. And we're back. What's the next card? Flawless Ebony. Um, the next one is... Um, I, I kind of like this card. It's Sahili Filigree Master. Uh, two, a blue and a red for a legendary planeswalker Sahili. She starts with three loyalty. Plus one. Scry one. You may tap an untapped artifact you control if you do draw a card. 
minus two, create two one one colorless stopters with flying, they gain haste. And minus four, you get an emblem with artifact creatures you control, get plus one plus one, and artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast. This card just kind of feels off in this set so far, which is my main problem with it. I think this card's pretty cool. It it emblems stupidly fast. Right, you plus, you untap, you can emblem. And just an anthem for all your artifact creatures and artifact spells costing one less to cast is all cool. But this card just feels weird because this set is full of really expensive artifacts. So, like, reducing an 8-mana artifact to be 7-mana is just, like, not as impactful. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Artifact creatures giving plus one plus one. Again, giving plus one plus one to an 8-8 eight eight doesn't really matter. And there's a bunch of artifacts, like the ones we talked about just, like the clay golem or whatever clay sentinel thing, that care about the amount of color you use to cast them. So reducing their yeah. cost by colorless is actually to your detriment. So it, it feels a bit out of place. But I guess Sahili is a little bit out of place because she's from Kaladesh and this is like Dominaria's artifice and it's different artifice, so she feels a little bit off. So it's kind of flavorful that she does. Yeah, but there are also cards that can kind of work with her, I suppose. Like I think I think of Skitterbeam uh, Battalion as a card that's kind of cool because then for four mana, you get a 2-2 two -two that just makes two other copies of it. So now you have three 3-3s three with her emblem for four mana yeah and we don't have the full set yet and we haven't really as far as i know haven't really seen cards featuring sahili so maybe we just get like a bunch of like thopter exhibition kind of cards right right at the end yeah. we just get a bunch of cards that make thopters and suddenly the whole thing clicks but yeah i mean also sahili just feels really random in the set as is because like i wasn't expecting to see sahili pop up it makes sense in the sense of like she's artifact lady kind of like well, uh, she but... she recreated the silex so yeah. she's probably coming with with teferi like to figure out how this thing works because teferi isn't an artificer so probably even if he no. sees urza do it he's like okay cool i watched it i still don't know what the fuck he did so... he's just an asshole who can time travel <laughs> yeah it is an asshole and he set off a nuke like i don't know what to make of it did you did you get got by that tweet that was like the fake story or whatever it was like the first part was true but then because uh, like Teferi did have a little conversation with Urza, apparently. Um, but then they're like, this means Karn's dead, Liliana's dead, and then Gideon's back. Like, Adrian sent <laughs> no, me that tweet, and it. I was like, no fucking way. And then I, I dug a little deeper, and it's like, oh, it's fake. And everyone in the comments, like, on was that, that like tweet like, the were butterfly like, effect you kind me. of thing? They thought it was that. But, like, because I, he had yeah. a conversation with Urza, like, everything went to shit. I mean, that would make sense. But th that sounds believable, right, for the story? Like, I could see a thing where it's like, yeah, Karn died, Liliana died because of this, and now Gideon's alive. And it's like, that's kind of cool. And Nicol Bolas won the Liliana's best time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking, yeah, Ravnica is uh, literally Amonkhet 2.0. <laughs> That'd be, okay, I would be oh, down we have, to... We have Lazatap-plated oh, Boros Legionnaires. I have a I have a million dollar idea. I swear to fucking God, if there is a single Wizards employee that listens to our podcast, hear me out. You saw on Disney Plus that Marvel had a very nice hit little anthology based TV show oh, called What, what if? if. 
Yes, we need a what-if set of magic. It can be your quote-unquote core set without actually being like, we're doing core sets again, and then we're moving them again, then doing them again, and moving it. Stop canceling core sets, by the way. Yeah, but this could please. fill the void. This could fill the void. Do it. That'd be so cool. Just what if, and you could just do that. What if War of the Spark ended differently? What if Nicol Bolas won? And then you just, it's just that, that'd be kind of cool. Or it can be like a bunch of little anthologies. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'd be, I'd be down for it. I think that'd be, be a really it. interesting, cool set. Um, it also gives you an excuse to be like, I don't give a fuck about flavor. Here's anything you I want. I love what they did in uh, Ixalan, where we had cards that featured story moments that didn't happen. Because it was Jace putting like false memories in yeah. uh, Vraska's mind. I thought that was so cool that we saw story moments that ended up not happening. Because that was like such a uh, good excuse to just put like random shit on cards. Jace and then during spoiler season, you're like, what happened here? And it's like, oh, this this didn't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, I put it on a bunch of bad cards. I, I just remember the... Is it like one and a white for like you can your opponent can cast non-creature spells during their next turn and that's like all it does? Mm-hmm. I think the flavor text is be still. Like I still like Beautiful. vaguely remember art. That, all right, after Sahili, we have the big bad of the set that everyone is slamming their overreaction buttons. Oh man, this and saying I don't know it's going to ruin. No matter Pioneer. how good this card is going to be, it is overrated. Yeah, it is. Like, so, okay, Alex, extend your hand. We're make, we're making a deal right now. Okay. Like, no putting this card on our overrated because for top we already 10. know that it is. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it is diabolic intent. So, Diabolic Intent, one on the black, sorcery. If any of your CDH players out there will know what this card does. So, one on the black for sorcery. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature. Search your library for a card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. So, this is Demonic Tutor with an additional cost of sacrificing a creature. Obviously, Demonic yep. Tutor is a completely fucking insane card. Um, and adding the additional cost of this is not, like, the biggest deal in the world. I think this card, for certain decks. Yeah, for some decks. This card is obviously really good, but people are treating it as if it is Demonic Tutor. Mm-hmm. Which, this is not Demonic Tutor. And especially, a lot of people have been going on about how good it is in Grease Fang, and I feel like these people have just forgotten that Eldritch Evolution is a card. Okay. I understand, but hear me out. I have always not liked the shoehorning of a couple of copies of Eldritch Evolution and Greasefang based on its current build because it only plays one one drop, and that's Stitcher Supplier. And that's the one you want to hit with it because it climbs up two. You can't do it on your two drops to go get Greasefang. Uh, you can. Right? That's the thing. What? Neoform is specific. Eldritch Evolution isn't. It's one or two? Eldritch Evolution is just that costs, I think, up to two more. No. And Neoform says the card has to cost exactly one more. That's why I think Neoform Don't. is so awesome. I mean, sorry, uh, Eldritch Evolution is so awesome in Grease Fang, and I'm surprised that it's run so little. 
No, no, it says where X is two plus the sacrifice creatures convert to mana cost. Sweet. Yeah, it says straight up two plus. You're about to fucking break my mind. I thought I was going insane. I am pretty sure you could pass. Search library, yeah. creature card Search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less, where X is two plus the sacrifice creature converted mana cost. So you can sack a Seder Wayfinder, which gives X plus two, so it's four. So you can search for a creature that costs four or less. No, because it yeah. says... Uh, search your library for a creature. That seems weird. With CMC X or less, where X is two plus the sacrifice creatures converted mana cost. See, this is why we should start using Y on magic cards. Like, it would be so much easier if it said where it's X or less, where X is like 2 plus Y where Y is, whatever. We just put fucking algebra on magic cards now. Um, yeah, so you sacrifice a 2-drop. Let's say you're Seder Wayfinder. We do that plus 2. So now we have 4. So X equals 4. So we can search for a creature card with converted mana cost of four or less. I hate the way this card's written. Because on Neoform, it says search your library for a creature with converted mana cost equal to one plus the sacrifice creature converted mana cost. So there it says equal, which is the difference between these two. So again, to continue, Eldritch Evolution is probably better. Um, you could argue that Diabolic Intent can be used to search for tech cards, like Terra Sunder and Fracture. But half of the time, Night of... Uh, is it? Night of Autumn does the same job. And that can be tutored with Eldritch Evolution. So again, just tutor up Night of um, Night of Autumn. So I think this is not going to be great in Grease Fang. Well, I think it's good in Grease Fang. I think it's just unnecessary in Grease Fang. Unless this deck is just mm -hmm. going to become like 8 tutor. And you just run 4 Eldritch Evolution, 4 Diabolic Intent. You just like wreck any game plan your opponent can throw at you. But I think that is unlikely. Um... You talked about it before we started a little bit in something like Rectal Sack. And I think it can be valuable yeah. there, but because then you can find like your Oven or your Cat or your Meatook Massacre or your Obnixilus. So I think Mayhem there, Devil. that like, yeah, Mayhem Devil. I mean, also, okay, this is, this is what I'm thinking about. Green. Um, yep, but think this... about this. Think about this. Okay. For three mana. You can do one of the uh, one of these two options. You can either a claim the firstborn your opponent's thing, sack it, search for Mayhem Devil or whatever, right? Sick. Or my favorite thing is Kari's as expertise, yeah, and then you can cast Diabolic Intent. So I think in sack is yes! good. Sack is also not in green, so you would have to like splash for Eldritch Evolution, which is really hard. I do get that the yeah. casting cost of Eldritch Evolution is pretty harsh, even in Grease Fang for one green green. Uh, is mm -hmm. a little on the rough side, so I think you'll often be able to manage. Um, 
this does open the door for non-green versions of Greasefang a little bit more, like Martyr Greasefang or just straight up Ors of Greasefang, Esper Greasefang, those type of cards. But I think those versions are just still going to be worse because they don't have Chariot. So you're going to be in green anyway because Seder Wayfinder, Grizzly Salvage, uh, Beseju, and Chariot are just such amazing draws to being in green anyway that uh, even though the other ones get Diabolic Intent and you probably don't need it, I don't think it really matters. I do think Diabolic Intent could have the interesting effect where it's going to make people basically rediscover Eldritch Evolution. And it might make Grease Fang better just because people build better versions of it. Or at least more linear versions of it. Side note, have you ever taken the time to look at the art of Eldritch Evolution? Holy shit, this art is awesome. Yeah, it's fucking weird, but I like it. It's so cool. So it's not so so that makes me realize that Eldrazi are not like zombies or like a parasite where it takes form of the host and then the host is being controlled by the thing. I think it they straight can up be. spawns Oh, they can be? Like, this This one just suggests it just spawns an entirely new thing out of it. Yeah, just so people don't... The, the like Eldritch Evolution art is like a boar, and it just, like, ripped open, and, like, its organs are weird and blue and spilling out, and just an Eldrazi-looking boar is just coming out of it. It's really fucked up. Such awesome art. But there's, Holy like... Because some of the werewolf cards, you can kind of see that they're still, like, the same form, but now they have, like, unhinged jaws with tentacles coming out and stuff. Yeah, but if... Okay, but Alex, if you just saw this boar by itself, you would think it's just a boar with Eldrazi features. Yeah, but I do think it's... Uh, there's some cards where you can see them sort of being, like, halfway. But this so, is halfway. Well, I mean, but, like, halfway, it's literally just, like, a dude who's, like, growing a tentacle out of his back. Like that yeah, but like sense. here's here's the thing, like, but that but what I'm saying is, you see the finished product, you don't see the actual yeah, creation okay, of it. So I'm, but the implication like could be that all of them are just like more so like the Eldrazi takes its shape. I don't know I, if you know more about Eldrazi lore, I, please I, let I us don't, know. I don't know all the Eldrazi lore, but uh, I I, I don't you, know you as in the listeners. But, but Alex, I will you say, selfish bitch, I never. Um, notice this on the Eldritch Horror one. Because I did think it was it standing over. Like, like it had just, like, killed another boar and it was standing over it. And not it was fucking mm. coming out of it. <laughs> Wild. Great art. Sick. Alright, what's next? Next is Hajar, Loyal Bodyguard. Um, he's a red-green... Is this the bard boy? Uh, legendary creature, human soldier. Yes. yes. He's a 3-3, three, three, so... Two mana, three, three. Good rate. Sacrifice Hajar, loyal bodyguard. Legendary creatures you control get plus one, plus zero, and gain indestructible until end of turn. Uh, people have talked about this in bar class a little bit, because it is a ghoul legendary, and it protects other legendaries, so I think that's very sensible. Same I here. just think this is also another step towards um, full-on legendary human tribal. Because this is a human. It is a soldier. So it still gets the benefit of Thalia's lieutenant. So at this point, there are so many fucking legendary humans low on the curve 
and they're all so good. And then you can play General's Enforcer to protect them. And then General Enforcer gives Hajar indestructible. And then even if they go and like kill the Enforcer, there is like another layer of protection for your humans. Yeah. So I think that card is really good. It's a two mana three threes. It's a very aggressive body uh, between um, Unclaimed Territory, Secluded Courtyard, and Plaza of Heroes from uh, Dominaria United. There's 12 Rainbow Lands and Mana Confluence, but you'd rather not. But there is up to 16 Rainbow Lands to build this mana base with, which is just nuts. Mm -hmm. So I think just that five color, like that top set Yoda. So it's probably still a collected company deck, but there's also just like one or two Yoda in there. Yoda, Joda, however you pronounce his name. Um, yeah. I think that deck is going to be sick. It might be too cute. I can imagine you just play mono white soldiers and just fucking kill him. But that mm -hmm. legendary humans deck is going to be super sweet. No, oh, I agree. Looks dope. Just annoying that Plaza of Heroes is printed at rare, so it's like 10 bucks a pop. Yeah. I got one of them. I pulled one. Yeah, I in still, my draft. Still kind of need them, but... Why are all these cards so expensive, man? Just print them at Uncommon and throw them in a Commander Precom, please, too. Anyway. Speaking of printing a card at Uncommon, we have a downshifted card from Rare to Uncommon in Obstinate Bailoff. Oh, this is a dope one. The Liliana Killer. Yeah. So this one's a four mana. Uh, it's a four four. When there's a battlefield, you gain four life. But then it has the uh, text that we know from uh, what's the card from Ravnica from Guilds? No White Ferox? No White Ferox, yeah. Yeah. When it's discarded by an opponent's spell or ability that they control, uh, then it just enters the battlefield instead. Brad here, straight up disrespecting Loxanon Smiter, who did it first. Um, okay, yeah, but <laughs> Locks on Smiter's bad. That Ooh. one's just a vanilla card. <laughs> People are going to get mad at you. This for one that gains one. you. This Look one gains you life. It. Yeah, this one is also just really good against aggro. Because just a yeah. 4 mana 4 4 that gains you 4 life is just fat enough of a body that it's good against aggro. This kind of shit's on Liliana, though it is a little too small for Shieldred. So I think this is going to be, like, I don't think this is going to be some sort of, like, f sideboard staple, per se, uh, depending on how the meta works out. But I do like this as a card that's, like, multifunctional. So if you want a card for your sideboard, like, you kind of want more against aggro, but you kind of want more for, um, for the Rectos matchup, for example, too then I can see mm -hmm. this card being a perfect fit for your sideboard. Yeah. Because, like, there's better cards for aggro, there's better cards for fighting mid-range, but there's few cards that do both. And uh, I also think out of a rock deck, it's really easy to trigger this because of Graveyard Trespasser. Like, I could see a world where you abrupt decay a Graveyard Trespasser, but still pay the ward cost. Just because you want to tempo this out. Yeah. No, I can see that. I just, I think it's a really cool reprint. Yeah. I, I'm pretty happy to see it. 
And speaking of a, another... Okay, this is technically not a reprint. I had to do a double take on this card. Uh, Demolition Field. Land. It's just a land. Enters untapped. Taps for a colorless. Two. Tap. Sacrifice Demolition Field. Destroy target non-basic land an opponent controls. That land's controller may search their library for a basic land card. Put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Then you may search your library for a basic land card. Put it on the battlefield, then shuffle. Does this remind you of anything, Brad? It's just slightly better field of ruin because in Commander it doesn't yeah. make everyone. In a one v one format, this is literally field of ruin. It is the exact same thing as field of ruin, but it's just fixed for Commander, so it doesn't ramp your other two opponents. Which yeah. uh, Emma Handy tweeted about this. Uh, it's is it still Emma Handy? I'm sure because is it Carmen? I just want to get it right. I saw like both. I'm not entirely sure. So I anyway, remember all the time I had. Um, so uh, she tweeted, like I may wanted like a fixed field of ruin for commander. I'm a little bit of like, well, why didn't you fucking put it in a commander product then? <laughs> like, I I don't really get that. It's like you want fixed field of ruin for commander. Okay, we get a million commander products a year. Like just, just put it in there. <laughs> like yeah. a bit surprised by that. We now have the potential for running eight Field of Ruins in a deck. And I think that's pretty cool. Now, it's not everyone's favorite kind of deck. I'm going to hate losing to a deck like this too. But a land destruction deck with uh, things like Crucible of Worlds, Ramen Up Excavator, Azusa. Uh, I brewed something up a bit ago uh, that was just a deck that tried to field of ruin your opponent until they had all their basics in play and then you would start assassin's trophying people's basics that shit gets a lot more consistent if you have eight field of ruins instead like with That's eight field true. of ruins you might even get to the point where you don't need as many land recursion cards because there's just so many lands that do this in your deck now you could even run stuff yeah. like encroaching wastes uh, we don't have ghost quarter thankfully. Uh, but there's more cards like Field of Ruin and Demolition Field. So you could you could go up to like 10, 12 lands in your mana base that just pop your opponent's lands. And then like a couple Assassin's Trophy and you'll just be you'll just be mana screwing people left, right, and center. Which sounds fun to me. Maybe we can convince April to play uh, to play Pioneer now. Did you see Maybe. the uh, the one from the professor to shuffle up and play the evil uh, mill versus eight rack? I did not. That was no. so funny. It's spi uh, spice eight rack was evil Gavin Verhane. <laughs> it was just so silly. My God. Anyway, uh, ranker reprint, basically. Um, not exactly, but it'll do. And it is audacity. One on a green. Uh, sorry, not one on a green, just one green for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has trample. And when Audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. Now, very reminiscent of Rancor, but Rancor returned itself to your hand, which is probably, probably better. But I can see there being situations where I'd rather just have the card. 
This is just Celestia Bogles. Good. Good card. Yeah. Trample's amazing. Um, this with light balls. Throw this on your light balls. Get an ethereal armor to put on your light balls. And now she's also evasive. So don't need to mess around with stuff like Griff's Boon as much. Mm -hmm. yeah, at least we haven't gotten the actual Bogle yet. True. Celestia Auras also has a Brushland from this set onwards. So I think just Brushland for better mana and this card is a pretty big boon for that deck. And you've got the Glade Cover Scout, then you're running that something Tower Archer, which is your sort of like yeah, secondary Bogle. Thing. Um, I think Celestia Bogles can kind of like be a real deck now. Now that it's got these tools, which you could you could like or dislike, I'm in camp dislike because I fucking hate playing against Bogles. But it's cool that the deck's like available now to people. Adrian's gonna be happy. I know he likes playing that deck. Right, so next after Audacity. They have the audacity to print a card called Obliterating Bolt. Is it good? Hold on. Hold Obliterating on. It's, it's Bolt. It's red. I'm... Oh, is, it's the better Lava Coil. It's literally just Lava Coil that can hit Planeswalkers. So there's not yeah. too much to say. It is Lava Coil, but you can Lava Coil your opponent's card. Good. And uh, Liliana. So, good card. There's not much to say about it. Yeah, it's just, it's just really fucking good. Lava like, coil. Lava Coil's already played. This is just a better Lava Coil. Um, this was like when Flame Blast Bolt was printed. Yeah, Magma Spray is a good card. This is literally just straight up better than Magma Spray, so you're going to play it. It's going to be good. It's an upgrade. And neither of them see hardly any play. Woo. Lava Coil's still fairly played, right? No, Lava Coil. Lava Coil does. I'm talking about, uh, what's it called? Um, oh, Flame Blast Bolt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, next up's a reprint. I I don't. I thought the reactions to this from some people was kind of funny. Uh, Fauna Shaman is a reprint. One on a green, for a Elf Shaman, with the ability for green tap discard a creature card. Search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, uh, then shuffle. So just one green, you swap a creature for another creature. The first response I read about this was someone goes like, does this go in Grease Fang? And I was like, not every tutor goes in Grease Fang. <laughs> they all go in Grease Fang. All of all them. All of them. Every tutor is a Grease Fang card. I just wanted to mention, I think this card's just like pretty neat. Um, it is an elf. And honestly, I can see this in elves. I think it's unlikely. Um, but... Um, Pyro of he it's it's kind of like works in a way like Pyro of Heroes. You can like tutor up your uh, Shaman of the pack when it's like time to go. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, it is a really scary card because it's it's an incredible toolbox. You could just you could just find any card for the job, right? Your main deck scavenging ooze, your like main deck Knight of Autumn to blow up something important. Uh, some creatures obviously double up as removal spells. This can find like a swift uh, murderous rider. So I think there's a lot of like this card is extremely scary when it is in play, but it's really easy to kill. 
there's always a trade-off. Dice of Shock, Dice of Stomp, Dice of Fatal Push, you can hit it with a portable hole. Uh, you use any fight effect, you probably have something on the board that's big enough to kill it. So it's it's not hard to get rid of, but if you don't, you're in deep shit. Yeah, it just seems like a fun card to play with, to be honest. Oh yeah, I love tutor cards like this. Kind of funny, where it's like, I hate playing with fetches, but I do like tutors. But like I like it when I have to work for them. Because then it feels like yeah. a reward, you know? Like, And next we have Arms Race. Is that the one that just plops everything on the on the battlefield? No, Arms Race is... Well, as long as you've got four mana. Uh, Arms Race is three in a red for an enchantment. And it says, for three in a red, you may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. The artifact gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's sneak attack for artifacts. But the activated ability is really expensive. But... Mm. I don't know. I feel like this is just like this just feels like the kind of card that is either never going to be played or suddenly a deck shows up with it and you're like, oh, fuck. Because putting <laughs> an artifact onto the battlefield and giving it haste, this also works for non-creature artifacts. So just dumping some like ridiculous like chromatic orrery kind of artif mana artifact onto the battlefield feels like you could do some pretty like messed up shit with that. Like, play that, and then you drop some sort of artifact that, like, untaps things. You untap your Chromatic Ori, and you, like, you know, pay, like, a million mana for everything. You can use your Power Stone uh, tokens to pay for most of the activated ability. Uh, and there's some really scary big artifacts in this deck, in this set. Because I've been looking at, like, big artifacts in Pioneer... And there's honestly, like, there's some good ones, but there's not, like, a ton. But this set is really adding some of those, like, worm coil engine-y, you know, like, huge artifact creatures that are, like, really impactful. And, you know, when you start doing that, and we have two or three more artifact sets on the horizon, um, you know, give it two sets, and we could suddenly have, like, a... Uh, Sorin Champion of Dusk kind of situation where these two cards are just if you draw these two cards together you probably win the game that sounds fun maybe I like I like stuff like that I like winning the game <laughs> it is probably my favorite thing to do in magic speaking of a card that does not make you win the game Miral Shield of Argive god what a fall from grace from the league um yeah. Mirgul Shield of Archive is 3 and a white for a 3-4 legendary creature human soldier. During your turn, your opponents can't cast spells or activate abilities of artifact, creatures, or enchantments. So, really powerful static effect. And then, whenever Mirgul Shield of Archive attacks, create X-1-1 soldier artifact tokens, uh, artifact creature tokens, where X is the number of soldiers you control. So, it basically just doubles your soldier count on board. I mean, this card was spoiled at 2 mana, and it looked fucking cracked. But now that yeah. it's 4 mana, you can't hit it off Coco anymore, and I've just immediately gone off it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, yeah, I was thinking, like, when it was at 2 mana, I was thinking, like, book combo, because it's just, like, a cheap thing to search for. It's double, you know, white pips for your devotion. Um, it protects your book combo by making it so they can't cast any spells. Uh, and then it can act as like a soldier or a, a, a 
army in a can kind of thing. Yeah, and for the record, for people, this was not spoiled as a three four for two. <laughs> like this was a two two for two. Yeah. it was basically just a better grand demolisher. That's uh, so sad. Makes me like, really sad. Also, because you like we considered like mono white aggro and mono white soldiers like human so it's a human soldier you know goes in a mono white shell um and that's obviously not a collected company deck so there's less of an issue with her being four other than you want your curve to be low but i also just hate the fact that she has to attack now i get it if it was just if you, you attack double your soldiers that would be completely nuts like it would be adeline on steroids but I feel like yeah. now it just finds itself in this weird middle where you need to tap out for this four drop and then untap again and then attack and then it's really good, which just feels like too much work. Like your opponent's going to play a board wipe, you're going to be sad. It's a lot of steps. Yeah. Or like one singular step that fucks you up <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, two more cards to go. Actually, let's, uh, bottom of the list, let's swap them. Because the last one is okay. a fucking banger, and the one before is, like, just cool, but not super strong. Um, sure. One on the black, Misery's Shadow. So a two-mana, two-two shade. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. And as an activated ability for one colorless mana, Misery's Shadow gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. So it's just like a reasonable mono black aggro card that's like some main deck graveyard hate. Think like scavenging ooze kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, spoiled by Crim. I just think this card's like pretty sick. Um, We've seen a lot of shadow cards like this over the years, and this is probably the best one we've ever had, which says a lot about these shades because it's still not great. But I, I think the static effect on it is pretty strong, right? I'm thinking you're playing mono green, uh, mono black aggro, and you go up against mono green, and this is just like a completely reasonable, aggressive card to still put in your deck, but it stops all the trolls and uh, cavaliers from um, having yeah. their death uh, death triggers. Yeah, in certain matchups like mono green, where like you just know they're not going to have any removal against you, like. Well, mostly. Not yeah, and, and not the bump is like so easy to use that I think your opponent's going to have a very hard time finding a good block for this. Because if you just attack with like, play this on two and attack on three, you could potentially make it a 5-5, five, five, which basically means your opponent's not going to block it because they, they would lose like their whole board. Yeah. So I think the flexibility of that is also very valuable. But speaking of not flexible, but why do you need to be flexible if you just punch your opponent in the face really hard over and over again? Cityscape Leveler. Brad, would you like to spend 30 additional bucks to finish your card board? No. No. <laughs> no, I don't. Cityscape I barely Leveler. fucking play the deck. This card reads like a fucking custom magic card. It's crazy. Cityscape Leveler is 8 colorless mana for an 8-8 artifact creature construct with trample. When you cast this spell, 
and whenever cityscape leveler attacks destroy up to one non -tar uh, target non-land permanent its controller creates a tapped power stone token wow that card's re oh it's also got unearth for eight Dude, this is Meteor Swarm Golem. Like, it's fucking nuts. Like, it can blow up lands, but who cares? Like, Jesus, this card is crazy. It's very good. It does make it, me sad. To it's see so how big. Good it is. And it just it blows up. I mean, it, it's very flavorful. It's called Cityscape Leveler, and it certainly fucking does. But what a fucking card, dude. Like, this is like an Eldrazi. But I think 8 mana, even for like, if we're talking about just a deck that tries to like, ramp into this card, I think 8 is absolutely a point you can get to. If you just try a little bit. It's colorless, so you can do it with Power Stones. Um, but even like, your average ramp spell, right, turn two ramp turn four ramp you're casting this card like pretty easily uh you've got the unearth so it's very easy to uh get more value out of this card which can definitely be a problem that like ramp style decks have so you can even just ramp it out fairly or you just play it on turn three in your mono green devotion deck mm -hmm. yeah i just there are what? Like four potential cards so far in this set that Modern Green's like, yes, I would like to play that in some capacity. Because we have like, um, I mean, we have the, the big ones are is this one and then the Stone Brain are the big ones. I could see an argument for Clay Champion. I, I, I'm with you though. I'd rather it just be, you know, the Gear Hulk. Um,. But yeah, I thought it was the set more, seems fucking bonkers. Yeah, this set is fucking nuts. Like, it, it, I, I don't know, man. Like, there, there's even like cards we didn't talk about because there were so many cards to go over. Uh, like the one you mentioned, which I just know it in German. Like, awaken the woods. The one you said, X green green, create X forest dryads. Like, okay, you just put X forests into play. They do have summoning sickness, which is very important, but like, yeah, that's one, crazy. Like, One know. honorable mention I want to talk about is Dreams of Steel and Oil. It's, it's basically upgraded divest. It's one black sorcery. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose an artifact or a creature from it. Then you choose an artifact or creature from their graveyard, and you exile both of them. So against Grease Fang, if they go like turn like on turn two, or like if you're on if you're on the play in your turn three, you're like, okay, I'll take your Grease Fang and exile your Parhelion in your yard. Yeah, that's really good against Grease Fang. Holy shit. I didn't realize that. So, Very good against all these unearthed guards, too. Seems fucking great. And there's even I'm one like fan. Brotherhood's um Brotherhood's end one red red. Choose one for sorcery. Choose one. Deal three damage to target to each creature and each planeswalker, or destroy all artifacts with CMC three or less. Yeah, and that's a fucking shatter storm. 
There's just trying to think of a few. I see in the third path iconoclast we talked about it. The young pyromancer. But yeah, this set's just like so many bangers in this set. Well, before we get to our top ten next week, like I said earlier. If you're listening and you have any thoughts on the set, please share them with us on Twitter or on the Discord channels that we're both in. Um, just let us know if there's any card we missed. If you don't think that uh, if, if we're overplaying the uh, how overhyped some of these cards are, like uh, Diabolic Intent, things like that, let us know. Give us your thoughts. I think that's it. Yeah, we, uh, we actually managed to do it in a fairly reasonable time frame. Yeah. I thought we would be that here way all you can, evening. You can go to bed at a reasonable-ish time. It's only... Quarter uh, to three. <laughs> yeah, that's reasonable. That's fine. But yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Thank you so much for you know being here every single week, even though we missed last week. But we'll be back next week for our top ten. And we hope you join us for that next time. Goodbye. Bye, everyone.